He had a heart problem and he had a hand problem. His head problem was that he had a wrong attitude. His heart problem was that he loved the wrong thing. He had wrong affections. His hand problem was that he had the wrong actions. And in this moment, in the belly of the whale, God changed all of that. And that's what happens when you're truly saved. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Turn to God in prayer. We make things so much more difficult than they are. So in the result of Jonah's sin, he found himself in a deep and a dark and depressing place. And he had decided he wanted to die. Remember that? He decided it was better to die than repent. That's why he told them to throw him over the side. But here, you know what he does? He says, I don't want to die. How often does this happen? We get down the road down the spiral of sinfulness in our life and we make the decision, this is not what I thought it was. And we're ready to backtrack. How does that look in your life? Maybe it's a relationship. You thought this relationship was gonna be the answer to all of your problems. Your knight in shining armor are the princes that would save you. And you get down the road and you realize you've abandoned the will of God in that relationship and you wish you would have never done it. Maybe it takes place when you take that first drink. Or maybe after a number of years you decide, hey, these drinks don't bother me like I thought they once did. And you start down that slippery slope only to realize this is not what you wanted I wanted freedom from my pain. I didn't want more of a headache and a hangover. And maybe it's when you jumped out and you thought you just wanted to make the almighty buck and so you took the job that you wanted rather than the stepping into the path that God had planned for you. And you find yourself waking up miserable, not wanting to go to work. That deep, dark, depressing place. Hey, before I continue, let me just mention a minority of theologians actually believed that as he was descending into the deep, before he was swallowed by the well, Jonah died. I think you can make that argument, though I, I, I don't see that, but their reason for making that argument is that he was resurrected, and that that then becomes a perfect picture for the resurrection of Christ, and, and that interpretation does not bother me if that is the case, but I think as you'll see, there's also opportunity to see how even in the midst of God working this miracle, God was working in this living Jonah. So let me tell you something first about prayer. Here's a principle. Prayer needs to be our first response, not our last resort. It's it's not unusual that we have foxhole faith. When we get to those points where, you know what a foxhole is? It's where the soldiers used to get down as they prepared for battle. And so when we're down in the bunker, it's easy when we've gotten the call and all of a sudden we've got cancer and we didn't expect we would ever get that or our marriage is in trouble and we thought we had paradise or, or we lost our job and we thought we were secure. It's easy in those moments to cry out to God and, and we're pretty good at that. It's the 911 prayers and I'm so thankful that our God had a 911 emergency system long before any community did. 
But I want you to understand that we need to get to a place where prayer is, is our first response, not our last resort. Don't wait till it seems like it may be too late. So what can we learn from Jonah's prayer? First, we learn that his prayer was humble. It's clear that he understood finally the sovereignty of God. Now what happens when we run from the will of, and the word of God? So what happened in chapter one? If you boil it down, Jonah had the same problem we have when we run from the will and the word of God. He thought what he knew was better than what God knew. So really, he thought he was smarter than God. Now, none of us would really say that, but please understand that's a natural outflow of what our sinful attitudes and actions lead to. By the time he begins his prayer, it's clear that Jonah has changed his song. He recognizes there is a God and his name's not Jonah. He recognizes God is sovereign. He was broken. Have you been broken? I want you to think about that for a moment. The very word implies pain, doesn't it? It's hard to think of being broken and feeling good about it. Broken implies not whole, not the way it's supposed to be. And yet as we look at God's word, it seems that God specializes in using broken people for his glory. A.W. Tozer put it this way, it's doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Someone put it this way, God loves to use broken things because it gives him lots of pieces to work with when he's putting things back together. This is what we know, scripture and life teaches us the danger of pride and the importance of humility and brokenness. So maybe if you're in one of those deep and dark and depressing moments, you might say, God, are you breaking me down so that you can get me into that condition in which you want to begin to mold and shape me into what it is you have planned for me? So he was broken. His prayer was humble, but his prayer was also scriptural. I mean, a couple of things by that. First of all, it was in line doctrinally. I want to remind you, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this today, but it's important when you pray that your prayer be consistent with the truth of God's word. God is never going to contradict himself. So when you say God is at work in your life, if, if what he's doing is not consistent with his word, that's not God. And it may even be spiritual, but it's not God. Because the Bible says we live in a spiritual world. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of darkness. And so when you pray, make sure what you're praying is consistent with the word of God. I'm just telling you, I don't think if I pray, God help me win the lottery, <laughs> that's going to be consistent with the word of God because I don't think that's a good practice of stewardship. I don't think it's consistent with the word of God if I pray, God, help this unsaved man to fall in love with me or God, help this lost woman to love me the way I love her. I don't think that's gonna be an answered prayer because that's not consistent with the word of God. That is what the word of God would call being unequally yoked. So make sure when you're praying, you're praying consistent with the word of God. But that's not even what I really mean. What I'm telling you is he prayed scriptural prayers because he knew the scriptures. In the great movements of God, we always see people praying the scriptures. As you read through this prayer of Jonah, some have said that there are many as eight or ten 
scriptural references to the Psalms. Let me give you a few examples. Jonah thinks he's going to die, and when he's going to die, he goes to the word of God. By the way, when Jesus was on the cross, now they're pointing to Jesus. He did the same thing, right? Jesus prayed the Psalms. Why would I say Jesus prayed the Psalm? What did he pray that was a Psalm? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was praying the prayer of the Psalms because Jesus knew the scriptures. Well, Jonah quotes from the Old Testament. Look in verse two. I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Where did he get that? Psalms 18 verse six. Straight out of scripture. Look at verse three. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The flood surrounded me. Your wave bill is pressed over me. Where did he get that? Psalms 42, seven. Jonah 2 verse 5, the waters closed in over me and they take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped around my head. Where did he get that? Psalms 116 verse 3. Do you pray that way? Do you know enough scripture that you pray God's word? I'm so thankful for a godly mom who taught me the importance of memorizing scripture. So as a child, I learned Psalms 56 3. You know what it says? In the old King James, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Did you know, since I learned that when I was about seven, for about 42 years of my life, I have applied that verse. And so there are times as a child, there are times as an adult. There have been times in the last several years, I've been laying in my bed and felt like there was a heavy spiritual oppression around me. I've woken up in the middle of the night and I've just begun to pray. God, in your word, you tell me that when I am afraid, I can trust in you. You tell me that fear of anything other than you is not of you. So God, I'm trusting in you in this moment. Do you know how to pray the scriptures? The first prayer we should pray Perhaps you need to pray this today, either now or in a moment, as a prayer of salvation. If you're here and you're not confident of your relationship with God, and you need to make sure that you've got a relationship with God, the first prayer you need to pray is when Scripture says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, you need to pray that God would hear you call upon his name and save your life for eternity. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the watch tab at missionhillchurch.com thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the give button at missionhillchurch.com and now with more of today's message here's pastor paul purvis maybe you have a burden in your heart You need to pray, God, you said that in your word that I can cast my burdens upon you because you care for me. You would just pray out to God in that way. Maybe you're lonely. And maybe you just need to remember that God's word says, I will never leave you nor ever forsake you. And you just need to pray that to God. God, I'm gonna claim this truth that you gave me to, to, to ring true in my life today. You're never, no, ever, not ever gonna leave me or forsake me. Maybe you got a problem in your life and a need and you need to pray from Philippians 4, that promise that says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Pray the scriptures. This man named Jonah, he's in a mess. He's got a deep, a dark, a depressing dilemma, but he calls on God in prayer. And you know what God does? He always does this. When we go to him in prayer, God takes the impossible 
and he makes it impossible. He takes those things that we think can't be done and he does them for his glory. So I want you to think about something. What's your dilemma? What's your dark place? What's your fishy situation? What's that thing that seems out of your control over your head? It's got you underwater. You got it? You got it in your mind? This means yes? I want you to bow your heads with me and let's pray. Now I want you to remember that you're praying to a sovereign God and that as you pray to the sovereign God, he hears your prayer. Now I want you to tell him that you recognize this situation in your life has not caught him off guard. Maybe it's health, maybe it's relationship, maybe it's financial or maybe it's job related. Maybe it's mental and emotional pain and illness. I want you to give it to him. God, I thank you that you hear our needs. You know our heart's desire. So here's what we pray, having come to you recognizing that you are set apart, you are holy. Jesus, you taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy be thy name. We now then continue to pray as you taught us, God, and ask that your will be done in our life just as clearly as it's done in heaven. So God, we pray that your will would be done in physical healing, that your will would be done in financial provision, that your will will be done, God, in relational healing, that your will will be done in jobs being given, in houses being provided. God, we pray that your will will be done in all these needs because we declare that you are a God who's told us you will meet our needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. God, I just continue to ask that as we continue in your word that you would speak with clarity and we would not walk away from here without commitment in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to God in prayer. Say, turn to God in prayer. And then secondly, take the medicine that God gives you. Take the medicine God gives you. Have you ever heard that phrase just kind of in our language that says, well, you just gotta take the medicine. What is that saying? It's implying that, hey, you may not like this. You may not like the way it tastes. You may not like having to swallow that pill. But this is the season of life you're in. If you're going to get through it, you've got to take the medicine. I heard a story about a a blind man and a seeing eye dog uh, who was just prone to disobey. In fact, one day the guy was walking across the street with a seeing eye dog and in the middle of the street, the dog just stopped and knelt down, just stood there. At the last minute when the guy was about to get get, uh, hit, another guy from the side runs over, he grabs the dog and the man and takes him to the side. But he notices that when the man reaches the other side, he takes a treat out of his pocket and puts it in the dog's mouth. 
And the guy that saved them was so frustrated. He said, why in the world are you giving him a treat? He just about got you killed. He said, oh, I just need to know where his mouth is so I can kick his tail. (laughs) Did, Did you know? Now just fill in the blanks, but sometimes we got to learn to take our medicine. And the Bible calls this discipline. It's discipline. Listen to Hebrews 12 and verse 5. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So I think that Jonah recognized this was a season of discipline. And so he walks through in this passage and just thinks what he says. You cast me over the side. You swallowed me up. You put me in the pit of hell or Sheol. You have placed me in the belly of the fish. You're the one that has called me now to be bald because the juices of acid ate off all my hair. You're the ones that's caused me to be naked because now I don't have any clothes because the acid ate through my clothing. He recognized this was a season of deliverance, but he also recognized this was a season of discipline, but he also recognized it was a season of deliverance. It's interesting. Just think about the the parallels here. God places Jonah in the belly of the whale, in the womb of the whale, so that he could be born again. Have we heard that ever anywhere else in scripture? John chapter three, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and Jesus says, you must be born again. In other words, he began to see his circumstances as a part of God's purpose, not simply a cause for his pain. That messy, fishy, undesirable situation was actually a demonstration of God's mercy and his grace and his salvation. Hey, ask this question today. Could my temporary pain be a part of God's eternal purpose? And if you're struggling with this, I really would encourage you to to go back and watch on our app or our website, Pastor Nick's message, uh, really from the beginning of June, because he really talked about this from God's word about how we embrace those challenging or those weak times in our life, because God may be at work for his glory, even when it hurts us greatly. Are you learning to lean in when life seems like a mess and learn from God? Are you taking your medicine? Well, maybe you're here and you're you're thinking about that discipline, and I just want to remind you of, of one other thing. You can never sink so low that you're out of the reach of God's deliverance. It's it's amazing to really think about what happened in that sea. We don't know how low Jonah descended. We don't know all the details about the whale. But we know this. He was trying to escape life. And God prepared a fish so that he would know the reach of God's love. If you're willing to listen, God will do whatever it takes to demonstrate his love in your life. When you lean in and learn from God's doses of discipline, he turns your greatest failures into his finest moments. 
So turn to God in prayer. Say, turn to God in prayer. Take the medicine God gives you. And then finally, trust that God will deliver you. Trust that God will deliver you. I love that this prayer is covered up in confidence. Do you pray with confidence? I'll be honest, I struggle with this sometime because I see the scriptures that say if we have the faith of a mustard seed, mountains can be moved. I see the scriptures, Matthew 7, 7, where it says, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find, knock and it shall be opened to you. So here's what I'm sometimes guilty of praying. Oh God, we need you to do a miracle, God. Please do something that only you can do. Provide in a way that is so clear that it's you. But if you don't want to do it, or that's not your plan for right now, or that's, if I don't have enough. And, and so we, we kind of talk ourselves out of it before we even get up. Now hear me. Jesus taught us to pray, God, will your will be done in my life just as clear, clearly as it is in heaven. It is appropriate to pray for God's will. But scripture also teaches us to pray with confidence. How do I know that Jonah did this? Look at verse one, you heard my voice. Verse four, you, I shall look again. Verse six, you brought me up from the pit. And then verse seven, I remembered the Lord. And then he gives us in verse nine, what I told you is the key to the whole book. Salvation belongs to the Lord. What he wouldn't do in Nineveh What he couldn't do on the ship to Tarshish, he did from the belly of the fish. He proclaimed the hope of the gospel. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Remember what we said last week? He had a head problem, he had a heart problem, and he had a hand problem. His head problem was that he had a wrong attitude. His heart problem was that he loved the wrong thing, he had wrong affections. His hand problem was that he had the wrong actions. And in this moment, in the belly of the well, God changed all of that. And that's what happens when you're truly saved. God doesn't just change you so that you can be different for a couple of hours one day a week. He changes you so that all of you is immersed in the power of his love and his grace and his salvation. When Jonah decided to trust the Lord, everything about him changed. Why do you say that, Paul? Well, first of all, because he said, I'm going to offer sacrifices. So it changed him enough to be generous. So, hey, we're about to the end, so that's good news for you. But I I can't read this chapter and not ask you, has your salvation changed you enough to be generous? And if it hasn't, why? Did God give you an escape clause? Because that's part of the deal. And he changed him enough to be committed. How do I know that? Well, he said, I make a vow to you. So I want you to understand something. Salvation belongs to the Lord. You don't have to do anything to be saved. But when God saves you, when he changes you, when you understand that the son of God descended the stairway from heaven to come to this hell-filled earth and he lived a sinless life but died a sinful death in the place of you and me, when you understand that God's grace and his love and his forgiveness is available to you because of what Jesus has done for you, then out of gratitude, you say, God, I vow to do everything I can for the rest of my life for your glory. And if I don't, if I don't, I have to say, why not? 
You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.